there's at the very the baseline is represent the people that voted for them at the very yeah. least yeah but that doesn't even happen mm-hmm. yeah you it's know, uh I, I think that was a big deal you know our senators and congressmen don't get paid through the state they get paid through dc mm-hmm. so yeah. once they get elected and they move to dc mm-hmm. uh, you, know, they, you don't pay my paycheck you don't sell my paycheck shit you know yeah they um I do. I, I, I've often gone back and forth over whether legends, like, you know, what's funny, they get paid pretty well. But what I go back and forth over, this is years ago when I was learning civics, you know, um, and I learned about, you know, senators used to be able to be, they were chosen by their state, state, however their state chose to choose their senator, whether it was appointment or by the, the governor or appointment by the state house. Yeah, yeah, your state senators and congressmen and they could would do it. All of them, and they were meant to represent the state mm-hmm. as a whole. And then, kind of going just back and forth between, like, is it a congressman or a national? Is it a congressman or senator's job to represent their state or their constituency, or what they believe is best for the country? That whole, mm-hmm. what should they, you know, should they if if they find themselves in a position that the people they're representing hold beliefs that that congressman believes actually would be bad for the country as a whole. Should they represent their state or die, you know, die hard their mm-hmm. constituency or should they? And related to that, I was, you know, people will say things and I don't disagree with this, that like, you know, for a long time, um, Congress and the president wasn't even paid very well, you know, like Jefferson and Washington both like left the office broke. Mm-hmm. You know, and these people were kind of expected and they were expected to self-fund. And part of me thought, thinks that like, yeah, you know what? They shouldn't be able to pay themselves. They shouldn't be able to, uh, it should be somebody who can't be bought. You know what I mean? That, that's People still buy that argument with like Trump. Well, he couldn't be bought kind of stuff. People <laughs> like that idea, you know, but, um, but he can. Time, <laughs> Like, if you don't have it be a paid position, then it opens the door to corruption is the counter argument that, mm. you know, and, and it works at the local level, too. I mean, the state, the state General Assembly here, I mean, I, I just learned that Texas's General Assembly, which is great in a certain sense, only meets once every two years, mm-hmm. for like two months, once every two years. And it's like, you know what? We have enough laws already. At this point, you should be repealing laws, not making new ones. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you really need to – and Maryland's only meets for two months every – two or three months every year. Georgia's that way, too. They just voted themselves a raise, too. So now they get, like, $60,000 for working for yeah. three months. And, like, on the one hand, it's like, well, okay, it's a pretty – you have to campaign. You have all this – and then you would have to – if you had any real job – you'd have to leave it for three months of the year. Cause it is, they are relatively busy for that two or three month period. Mm-hmm. It seems like, and it's not a coincidence that all politicians are lawyers. Cause lawyers seem to be able to pick up, they can kind of just pick up business when they need it, you know, especially at that level. So, I mean, what other businesses can do that? Like, and the, so the back and forth, like should being a legislator pay well enough that I could go and do it and not have to worry about getting another job. Like what if I if I was to leave my day job to become a state delegate for two months? Like my my day job would not I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd have to quit. You know what I mean? 
And if you run a business, you know, how could you do that? So like, on the one hand, talking about them being paid, like, sh should they be paid well enough that that is their job? But then you develop the idea of the career politician. Mm -hmm. Or like, okay, if you're a congressman, you go away to DC and you make bank, right? And you don't need to ever worry about your constituents. As long as you make them happy enough to keep voting for you, that's your job. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, maybe they should not be paid and have to and have to quit. You know what I mean? Have to go home and be like, I need to work. I can't, I can't just sit around and be a congressman my whole life. Yeah. I'll starve. You know? I like that idea. Hell, I'd even I'd even settle for that they they're held accountable to the same to the laws that they write. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that seems to be too much to ask. How many how many how many legislators have tried an illicit drug? All of them. It's probably almost all of them. Probably. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's hard to imagine any maybe except for a few from Utah, you know, <laughs> that that have ever, that have not experimented with some drug or another that they that and they still won't repeal the law. How? How is it possible that they it's still won't repeal? It's a jobs program. Yeah, it's crazy. It's there's, uh, there, there's a ton of money in keeping and making things illegal. Yeah. It's really hard. I, sometimes I, I, sometimes I, uh, I, let's say half jokingly suspect that it was, uh, that it's really all about the CIA needing to keep, if it were, if it were illegal, if, it, if drugs were like, I mean, if you go, you go back to World War II and OSS was coordinating with the Sicilian and Corsican mafia to move heroin. And, and they were let, helping them move heroin so that they would keep, you know, this is actually, there's a great civil affairs story in this. Um, there's a book called Soldiers Become Governors. And it was about the um, invasion of Southern France that happened like a week or so after D-Day. And when they landed in Southern France, which had not been occupied by the Germans, it was, um, what are they, the Vichy regime. Mm -hmm. They encountered the stevedores of Marseille and the other major ports in Southern France. And the stevedores union what would not like uh the, one of the, the germans like sank some ships in the middle of the shipyard and um the stevedores wouldn't work and the civil affairs soldiers had to like try like just go through painstaking negotiations to get the stevedores union of france to help them unload ships for the for for the liberation of france and the stevedores were like no we're not doing it we're not on board with this and oss got the mafia, the same thing happened in New York. OSS used the mafia in New York to keep the unions working and to force them through threats of violence not to interfere with the war effort, mm -hmm. um, even, even under unfair working conditions. And um, they did the same thing. They used the Corsican and Sicilian mafia to force Italian dock workers and Southern French dock workers to help with the war effort and all of that. And, and in return, they helped move heroin for them. And then if you look at every other like drug epidemic, like we had an opioid epidemic in the sixties and seventies, mm -hmm. where were we at war? Indochina. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? We had a cocaine epidemic in the, and crack epidemic in the eighties. Where were we, where was the CIA operating? All over South America. America. You know what I mean? We have an opium epidemic now, an opiate epidemic now, where are we working? Afghanistan. Central Asia. You know, yeah. and I, there's a, 
I, I can't put all the pieces together, but there's a part of me that really thinks that the CIA probably gets a good chunk of its money that it uses, not their actual budget, but their operating budget, but the web, the budget they use to collect money from here and buy weapons here and give back mm-hmm. is moving drugs. I mean, there's a dozen movies about it. Air America, the silly Bond movie from the from the 80s. Um, you know, it's it's out there. And there was a recent, like, uh, one about, it had, like, Tom Cruise or something in mm-hmm. it. Where he cocaine. American Made. Yeah. And, and these are all, like, documented cases of the CIA moving drugs around. And so it makes one wonder, like, they depend on it being illegal for their profit margin. Because if they couldn't, there was a, um, was it the ATF, I guess? There were some ATF agents once. Well, a few years ago, that they started a um, cigarette trafficking ring mm-hmm. to move cigarettes from, uh, let's say, North Carolina, a very low cigarette tax state, to a high tax state, and and prof- and pocket the difference. Mm-hmm. And the scheme originally started with just to um, undermine to 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 find the systems, to find the to locate the stores that'll sell uh, black market cigarettes. You know. Mm-hmm. They ended up making so much money, they didn't know what to do with it. And they started using it for other parts of the ATF's budget. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're making hand, money hand over fist selling cigarettes, untaxed cigarettes. What do we do with all this money? And the first thing they started doing is plowing it into new resources for themselves. And then all of a sudden, they found themselves the biggest gang in the neighborhood doing this. They were They were the traffickers that they were trying to opposed and they couldn't take their game their, themselves out of it mm-hmm. because they de- they had come to depend on the money and there's a part of me that thinks probably <laughs> the cia would lose their mind because i suspect they're doing the same thing all the little stuff they do they depend on this drug traffic over there selling some heroin here so that they can buy weapons and give it to this guy there oh and yeah look at, look at look at mexico the way they they flip flop and ping pong between cartels yeah I don't think they can imagine any other way to make all of the little schemes they have happen uh, and with that, with dark money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they, they probably have a vested interest in ensuring that it never becomes legal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like that was a video when the cartel guys were kind of GoProing when they were breaking out Chapo's son out of the oh, Mexican really? prison. And like, where the hell are those guys getting M240 Bravos from? <laughs> right? you know yeah. um yeah I, there's something fishy there that i mean i think it's it's it doesn't take much to put all the pieces together you just there's no smoking gun to really prove it you know oh you want to you want to go down a rabbit hole look <laughs> uh, as far as media mm-hmm. research uh how many media personalities have connections to the cia yeah and also look at how many members of congress and the senate were former cia Oh, that one, I, yeah, the, the number of, like, I, I, I honestly, I think we, the CIA is just the, pra, like, it's a secret Praetorian Guard. They really are. Damn. Probably they've got awesome. enough control <laughs> at this point. Yeah. That, um, I mean, and that loops back around to this Russia nonsense. It's this latest, like, thing with, you know, speaking of the Afghanistan papers, and this is a to-do, like, you know, with uh, like Joe Jorgensen saying like, you know, or she retweeted somebody uh, from the, she retweeted, retweeted Mike Gavel. Do you, Gravel. Do you remember him? Mm, vaguely. 
he uh, he threw his like some he kind of almost memed his way under the Democrat primary. <laughs> he was the um, senator from Alaska that um, read the Pentagon Papers into the record. Mm. Um, like when the Pentagon Papers leaked and from Daniel Ellsberg basically proving the Vietnam War was a farce. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no way to like publicize them because they were secret, but the one way that you could do it was to read them on the floor of Congress and have them transcribed by the sten- stenographer. Oh, wow. So that's what he did to release them. Um, anyways, oh, that's ballsy. He's a, yeah, he's a pretty decent anti-war guy. And he, tra- he like, you know, he got some like kids basically almost memed him onto the Democrat primary stage. Um, he's, you know, at this point, he's pretty up there in the years. But he retweeted or his like, um, he retweet he's he's tweeted something along the lines of like the best way to keep American troops from being killed by Russian bounty hunters in Afghanistan is to get American troops out of Afghanistan, you know, and Joe Jorgensen retweeted him retweeted his thing basically saying amen to that you know and there yeah. were some people like how could you ally with a leftist like that it's like well because he's right he's right yeah. it's that simple well uh, and people are so light switch brain too it's like i could align with a leftist on one issue hmm? it doesn't mean i mean and all that means is we agree on that issue and i'll work with them on that issue it doesn't mean i support everything else they're about and the fact that yeah i mean the fact that with certain things and the defend the police thing, the fact that the left and right or can agree on something like the extreme left and extreme right, not the mainstream, mm-hmm. but the fact that the extreme left and extreme light agree, right agree on something kind of indicates to me that this might actually be something that is not only widely popular, but a good idea. Could like be, there's certain yeah. things where it's like, if we both agree on this, like wholeheartedly, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, well, and how many, like you were talking, you, you brought up earlier, you know, how many laws they're just not, you know, like, um, malum in say versus malum prohibitum, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and even people that, you know, that, that aren't Christian or whatever, you know, the 10, there's only 10 commandments. There's only 10, you know, how many laws are just, are just there as money-making operations or it's just, you know, as libertarians were saying, you know, if there's no victim, there's no crime, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't mean, you know, you probably shouldn't do something. It just doesn't mean we, we just don't think you should be putting them in a cage for it. But like how many laws are there that if those were, you know, pulled back or just struck down altogether, you would re- reduce police presence significantly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and they, wouldn't need, they wouldn't need all the funding. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's crazy because there's so many things like people just can't even imagine. It's, it's sad to a certain extent. People can't necessarily even imagine a way of so many people can't think of a way to change something they see in the world they don't like other than by enacting by making by enacting a law yeah. you know like i went to a restaurant and i saw some roaches and there ought to be a law against that like just don't go to the restaurant again or complain or you right. know like do a yelp review and, and 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 how many things are there are where it's just people the band hammer is really easy the band mm-hmm. hammer whether you know just 
even if it's not through government necessarily, people just want things they don't like to disappear. They want mm -hmm. it to not exist. You know, they wish they could never see X anymore if they don't like it. Yeah. And, and I, I see that with people on the right too. They're like, my freedom. And then, but then they're all about making yeah. stuff illegal. I'm like, take freedom out of your mouth, bro. Cause you're, you're not about that. You're, <laughs> you're about freedom for things I like. Yeah. You know? Freedom is about for things you don't like either. Yeah. It's just like free speech, free speech. You know, if it's just stuff you like, the, the, the free speech is there to protect, protect things that you don't like. And it, yeah. it's like this whole thing with hate speech. Mm -hmm. And it's like, people are like, well, we should ban hate speech. I'm like, no, nah, let it out there. Everyone, will, then everyone will know that guy's an a-hole. And then you can debate his ideas and then just ignore him. Yeah. You know, one of, one of the things I find to, that relate, relating to that, and, um, you know, there's a certain amount of just calling it out, calling out absurdities that's just fun, you know, but, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always the case, but, um, God, I wish I could remember the specific case, but there was a, there was a hate speech law that people were talking about recently, like, um, that immediately the first person charged with it was a minority because one thing that that people don't recognize and this is useful to talk to usually with people from the left i find it's useful to point out that like no matter what law you write the person that's most likely to like if we let's stack up who's mostly likely to be actually prosecuted for breaking it it's not the people that you want to enforce it against Never. you know what i mean it's never going to be uh, it's, well, it might be every now and then a rich white guy that you just hate for being rich and white that gets arrested for X, but he's probably going to get a good lawyer mm -hmm. and he's probably going to get a light sentence. What's going to happen is that same law is going to crush, whether, you know, crush a bunch of poor people that can't defend themselves, that will roll over and take the plea bargain, that will carry a felony for the rest of their lives because that's the best they can do in this situation. Right. Whatever law, just imagine any law, whether it's like a food safety law, it's going to be that poor immigrant guy with the food cart that the cops harass, do civil assets forfeiture on all of his profit, take away his cart and ruin his life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, which, in the, but at the same time, probably has the best tacos in the city. Yeah. It's going to be that guy that the law, like, even if it does occasionally crush your enemy, it's mm -hmm. every law, every law, just by virtue of like, how much a lawyer costs, how terrible public defenders are, who it's easier for the police to harass, um, where the police work, all of those things, it's going to end up, every law you pass is going to fall hardest on the people that you supposedly are allied to. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That you, that you really, it, that you're trying to protect. And that includes hate speech laws. You know what I mean? It's going to yeah. happen. And hate crime yeah. laws. It's like, yeah trying to attack a hate crime on the murder. I mean, murder is murder. It's yeah. probably one of the worst, one of the worst things you can do. And I'm like, you know, you don't murder people you like. It's yeah. kind of already, it's kind of already built into the thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I, 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 I do get the argument and I can like, let's just say in uh Ancapistan or whatever, I don't think it would be the case that you wouldn't need a legal code to, to, to clarify that this person getting in a, in a battle with somebody, right, of some kind and killing them 
whether it's a heated dispute or whatever, some kind of, you're, you're kind of, let's say, run-of-the-mill murder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two people in some kind of heated interpersonal issue. One pulls a gun and they, one of them ends up dead, you know? That kind of thing. I, I suspect that common law judgment would find that to be bad, but to find someone who went out out of racial malice and pick someone out and murder them in cold blood because they are, we don't even have to make it that. Even if it was that same case, but the thing started over one person being a racist asshole. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like person X is a racist asshole and started an argument with person Y of a different skin tone. And then person X murdered person Y in part because of racial animus. Yeah, I think the common law court would punish that person far greater. Like there would be an additional punishment, and I wouldn't find that to be unreasonable. If a jury no. sat there and listened and said, and and listened to the whole thing go down, like so, we're talking about two murders: one that was just kind of some interpersonal issue, and one where the incident there was a racial charged incident aspect to it. I could see people being like, "Well, that person deserves more punishment." You know what yeah. I mean? And right. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like, yeah, that person was just you know. I wouldn't have a problem with punishing a person who was racially motivated for their crime harder. It doesn't need to be enacted in legislation. Just right. enable a judge to use judgment. And this is, our court system is completely flawed. For sure. But even in that sense, I think to a certain extent, it's because, I don't know if I like the idea of elected judges, you know, but because judges aren't given the latitude to use judgment and be and be held accountable for their judgments. That's the other thing. Like, you know, which is where you know, like, like, like these judges that rubber stamp, you know, red flag laws where these people yeah. get murdered, you know, they're not held accountable for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, know, they're, they're, they're not held accountable for their poor judgment. You know what I mean? I don't know if there is a good non-market mechanism to hold judges accountable, but there, there needs to be. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think the market could do a decent job of it, you know, but um, I'm not sure elections are the way, but at least it's something, you know, like people go back and forth over whether elected judges are a good idea because they're going to try to remain popular, but, mm -hmm. and they might be a hanging judge because that's what their constituency demands. And that might actually not be the best policy, but right. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they judges should. You know, I heard somebody say something along the lines of like, um, just recently, if if DAs were held criminally accountable for kidnapping for every person, they if somebody if a DA prosecuted someone and then that person is exonerated, didn't that DA kidnap that person? Yeah, you know what I mean. Didn't they ruin that? I I um didn't they ruin that person's life? Like not only put them through a legal treadmill years in jail, you know, they lost their job. Probably they lost their house. They probably lost their relationships, all kinds of things. That person's life was completely destroyed. And the DA, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some, maybe in the worst cases, there's some administrative punishment. Maybe they're disbarred, you know, I don't know that I've ever heard of a case where a DA goes to jail for wrongful prosecutions, you know, mm -hmm. but no. it you, ought to if, be the standard. The standard ought to be if you, if so, if you throw someone in jail, you know, if you or I did it, if we just locked somebody up wrongfully, whether we knew it, whether we had a good reason or not, like, Oh yeah.
and this person was a murderer and I, I decided to lock them in a cage, the state would look at me as a kidnapper. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But if a DA does it, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, and then if you did it wrongfully without, especially if you knew it, that you should absolutely be thrown away under the jail for that, you know, because ultimately what you're doing then, if you put somebody innocent in jail, it, it's like a triple crime. You've destroyed, you've done a crime against that innocent person. The guilty party is free to continue um, to break the law. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you have committed the crime of kidnapping. You know? Exactly. You've actually exacerbated the problem. Right. I mean, and people are like, well, it doesn't happen that much. I'm like, really? If it didn't, then there wouldn't be organizations like the Innocence Project or yeah. any other, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of them. You know, I think I, I think it was actually you talking to uh, was it small crimes or something like that was her yeah, name. Mel. Yeah, Mel. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was actually her talking about the like triple, the triple crime of prosecuting mm -hmm. an innocent person. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, the political solutions. This some of them are obvious and just being ignored. Some of them are the result of apathy from the population or ignorance, mm -hmm. you know, from the population. But um, I really, really hope to find some way to get people to care about ending these wars. And, and I mean, I don't know that there's plenty of reason for libertarians to be concerned about other things, but I really think that we need to spread, the, especially the veteran libertarian community, which, you know, there's a, there's a good chunk of people out there. It's growing. I, and I, and I get not wanting to place your hope in politics, but I think if I really think that everyone in this, in the little, at least the veteran libertarian community should really put their names out there for the defend the guard and try to see if they can get someone to bite. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it only would take one state. Really? I mean, I genuinely do. I think if one state, God, if it was a big state like California, if anyone's, Texas. yeah a big state where there's bunches of important national guard units said you can't use the guard anymore to mm -hmm. the to the department of defense it would it would at the very least what would have to happen not only would there be a supreme court case over it but congress would either have to if the supreme court let's be honest they're probably side with the federal government but sure. but it would even if they did they would either if they would either have to if the state was especially like just refused even after the Supreme court made its finding to release the guard to the, you know, then Congress would have to do one of two things, either show their true colors and vote for the war mm -hmm. or show their true colors and forcibly relocate all those guard units. Mm -hmm. And that's not, it's easier. That's, it's easier said than done because you can re relocate all the aircraft. You can relocate all the tanks from that guard or Bradley's that guard unit has, but you can't necessarily, the unit will lose a lot of functionality because national guard units are a little different from active duty units because they're usually a guy, a bunch of old timers that have been in the same job for 20 years. Mm -hmm. they're, they're all like national guard. Unit, you don't, you don't shift from unit to unit every three years. You don't get transferred. So you, you live in Maryland you go to your Maryland Air National Guard drill once a month for 20 years and you build up all that knowledge. And if the unit gets relocated, it's their biggest fear here. Um, the Maryland National Guard is terrified that they're going to lose the A-10s and then what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
If they lose their A-10s, then there won't, they won't need any more ammo techs to, to, to load the bombs. And, you mean and, they, don't want, they don't want the F-35? <laughs> yeah they, they would love that but like um just cash cow i'm sure so much so much maintenance compared to an a10 there would be yeah. there would be more workers for them but yeah. and they're terrified of losing their squadron because that means all like they would either they'd either have to leave the guard and just retire or they'd have to move to stay mm-hmm. part of their guard unit or to you know they'd have to move to another state and a lot of people aren't going to bother to do that yeah. So then that new state is going to have to recruit a bunch of new people in. It's going to cause a whole nightmare. So if Congress doesn't like the Defend the Guard Act and tries to say what, like, like what they threatened Pat McGinn with was shutting down all the guard bases in West Virginia mm-hmm. and locating them. But Yeah, that was someone from the Pentagon. Yeah. But if, even if Congress did that, it wouldn't really work out all that well for them. They can move all the stuff, but they can't move the manpower readily. Not all of those guard members are gonna are gonna start commuting to wherever the new base is, you know, wherever the equipment moves. So you're gonna lose a lot of institutional knowledge. They're gonna have to go through a whole nut roll of recruiting people in, and but Congress would have to like either put up or shut up in one way or another if just one state did it. And I think it could really, I think with that, especially if you think about the Air Guard, like they definitely, I mean, they rely on the. You know, at, at one point, like half of during the like, peak of the Iraq war, like half of the forces in Iraq were National Guard units. So, mm-hmm. like, they definitely rely on the Army Guard for a lot of things. But what's kind of flying under the radar is the Air Guard is part of this, too, mm-hmm. would fall under this. And they use the C-17s. Like, there's a lot of South Carolina. They have these huge oh, Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are a lot of those belong to the National Guard, and if they suddenly weren't allowed to be flown into theater, then the Pentagon would have a conniption. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd really like to see. Oh, it'd be great, like if South Carolina would do it. Yeah, or Texas. Yeah, or Maryland. You know, just somebody that first domino to fall and yeah. to carry. If to, to me, like if it was a red state. I think it would just it, it would carry more weight because then it would be like oh look at this lefty that just you know TDS or some stupid yeah yeah you know. it's, it's kind of tricky like the the biggest the best shots they've had are there's Idaho and Wyoming mm-hmm. are having some progress on it that could be interesting um, I think Texas like I said they didn't have their general assembly this year so they're not going to. But they were supposed to, I think they're going to file it, or at least there was talk of them doing it for next year. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be huge. I mean, I think the, the low-hanging fruit are the supermajority states, either the deep red or deep blue. Like, yeah. God, could you imagine deep blue California does this? Yeah. I mean, there would be dismissal from the other side. Like, oh, look at these sure. crazy lefties, you know? Yeah. But so be it. As long as, as, long as it shuts down, it just... I mean, God, if you, can you imagine California and New York passes those? I'm sure they have huge guard. Or bases. Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Any, any state, really. Yeah. And if there's like an overwhelming majority on one side, you just have to get that one voice to convince the majority. That's why I thought Maryland would be an easy target. Because like we have a, a veto-proof majority mm-hmm. here. So, or Not we, but the Democrats have a veto-proof majority here. So all they have to do is introduce it and have a one Democrat introduce it and say it's a good idea, you know, prominent. And we had um, 
the state delegation here, like during the like the the speaker of the Maryland State House, she never responded to me. But the speaker of the Maryland State delegation, not the senator, the president of the Senate, but the the House, the lower house, um, she penned a like a resolution against the Iraq War when she was somebody when she was you know lower down in the food chain. Mm-hmm. So I really had hoped that I could maybe get her attention. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she never, she, I never got anything from her. Yeah. But, um, a lot of people, they don't want to be the sticky wicket because once they, yeah. them, they don't, I mean, they, it's, don't. It's, they don't, no one wants to be the first one to stick their head above the parapet. That's the problem to a certain mm-hmm. extent, you know, but um, I don't think I, I can't, it's hard to imagine what, what bad could come to them? Like, to me, I'm thinking like, why are, why is the Maryland state democratic party afraid to do this? You know, do they like, why it seems like it, from my perspective, and I'm trying to sell it to them, it seems like an easy win. Like Mm -hmm. they get to stick it, they get to get out ahead of Trump and his bring our troops home stuff. They get to stick a finger in his eye. They get to be, they get to raise their profile. They could, you know, do it overnight. You know, what are they afraid of? And the only things I could think of them being afraid of is losing their base, like being threatened by Congress. But I mean, that would just reflect poorly on Congress in my eyes. This mm-hmm. is a popular, like, Demo- you're going to be it's hard to imagine finding that many Democrats that really would be appalled at the idea of ending the Afghan war. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder how much of that. <laughs> You know, it's just like anything. If a state tries to get out of line with what the federal government wants to do, they always threaten them with withholding mm-hmm. funds. Yeah. And that's a big thing. And I'm like, yeah. well, if you had a governor that was, that thought, you know, that thought independently, that's the other thing. A lot of all these governors too, like, it doesn't matter if it's a Democrat, I'll support this or I'll fight them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I want you to take care of George's business independently yeah. of the federal government yeah you know if you just had you know a governor that had some intestinal fortitude and they would support this and they did it and then the federal government was like well we're going to withhold funds for this i'm like all right fine we're not sending you any more tax money yeah i mean that's where i maybe some of these governors that have been trying to raise their profile recently mm-hmm. in the like corona situation maybe they would be some good ones want hogan actually our governor has been really you know, trying hard to be the moderate Republican who's, who, you know, that, you know, he's basically, he may as well be a Democrat in all, right. you know, but um, he's been trying hard to take that tack and raise his profile. I'm sure he's going to try to run for president at some point. It would take somebody who was willing to stand up to, but also I, I think certain states too are just advantaged in the sense that like, okay, Maryland, you're going to defund us. That Fort Meade, NSA, all of Washington's workers live in, like half of all the people that work in Washington live in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrews Air Force, the, the biggest military bases, the Aberdeen Proving Ground, Andrews Air Force Base, the Naval Academy, none of those could be, maybe the Proving Ground could be relocated, but not easily. You're mm-hmm. not going to re- pick up and move the whole NSA. Mm-hmm. They're not going to shut down Fort Meade. They're not going to move Andrews Air Force Base. They can't. The whole reason it's there is for Air Force One. You know what I mean? Like they could only play around the edges. They could cut budget from other things as a punishment, I guess, but they couldn't like, you know. So that's where Maryland has the advantage. Yeah, exactly. You can't defund us because then you're screwed. 
Yeah. Um, I, uh, I feel like, but there's, I, and I don't know the particular situations of every other state, but I feel like if, you know, somebody in every state takes up this mantle and starts trying to carry it forward, then it's gonna, it's gonna click somewhere, yeah. you know? And I think it's good. It, you can attack it from the right. If you're in a red state, you can attack it from the right. I mean, the Bring Our Troops Home organization is a right-wing oriented pro-Trump sort of related organization. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that originally cooked, kind of started popularizing this idea. But it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't, ha- you know, but you could run to the right with it or you could run to the left with it. Oh, and yeah. Still- All across the spectrum, there's a thing, yeah. you know, like you see like Christians are like, why are you worshiping killing brown kids in, in the Middle East? And like, that's not, that's, you know, for the profit of whatever. Yeah, it's, like, it's really terrible. I don't know. Some people, you know, you see it every now and then, and some people just are trying to be trolls, but there really is a systematic, like, devaluing of people's lives over there. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. That's the othering. Yeah. And they do it here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, everything we've talked about, you know, when we've gotten off of the defend the garb thing, and yeah. I, I, I'm bad about oh. that. I'm, I see a squirrel, yeah. and I'm like, who? I, um, I love I, I, I It's been great. To, it's, the conversation has just been flowing. It's fine. Yeah. But what a lot of people don't understand is that everything that we've kind of, every tangent we've kind of gone down, it all relates back to foreign policy. Mm-hmm. You know, for the empire always comes home. Oh yeah. You know, and war is the health of the state. So we look since, uh, since nine 11, how much has the government grown? Mm-hmm in the last 20 years i mean the budget's doubled and doubled again i think it's doubled three times since then yeah it's exponential yeah um everyone's talking about well college is so expensive mm-hmm. well college you know since 1967 i forget the percentage of mm-hmm. how uh, of how much more expensive college has gotten when you know when you subsidize well, yeah. I mean, starting with the GI Bill is when the government first started getting involved in subsidizing college. Right. You know? And that was starting World War II. That's when they start. You know, um, what's funny, too, is people don't know that, like, redlining, in part, was had to do with veterans' housing. Mm-hmm. And that VA loans could only be given in certain neighborhoods. Or, right. You know, even now, I, at one point, I tried to buy a condo. And the VA has just... So many, the Federal Housing Administration kind of is the one that blesses and signs off, and they have all these rules. These, these they have their own separate building code. Mm-hmm. So even if you're the place you want to buy is up to code in the place you live, if mm-hmm. it doesn't have, if it doesn't meet certain federal requirements, and those sort of, and you know, housing codes themselves, you know, are why housing in cities is so expensive. Just last weekend, I went on this tour he's an interesting character this guy who's running as a republican in uh east in the worst part of east baltimore i uh, i went with one of the the local one of the other county chairs for the libertarian party he took me there and you know my general idea here in baltimore city is that i kind of need to reach out to the i need i need more people that are of baltimore uh, mm-hmm. to be a part of the Libertarian Party, to get it anywhere. But not just kind of in the suburbs of Baltimore. But um, 
any case, I went to this guy, and he is an interesting guy. He's a I don't know if he's actually a West African immigrant or if his parents were, but he's running as a Republican. He's has a, he's in the middle of East Baltimore, and I mean every so his block, every there's maybe four houses occupied on his block, um, and seventy percent of the other houses the roof is collapsed. There's nothing left. It looks like a bomb went off in his whole neighborhood. And he's, walk, he's walking through it. And his whole thing was about, you know, we can't let the Democrats skate on this. For 70 years, they've controlled Baltimore, and this is where I live. And he in particular, and some of his neighbors, he doesn't have uh, utilities. He runs his house off a generator. Um, he just, I think he, at one point, I missed some of his backstory, but he basically rebuilt the house himself. Like, it was collapsed also, and he just kind of, he cleaned himself up. I think he had had a, a, a troubled past, let's say. And he cleaned himself up and he had a kid and he, something was wrong. I think maybe his wife, his mother's, his child's mother was a drug addict. And he kind of took the kid and built a house and he found some meaning in his life. And he found God and he's very religious. And he, he just found a vacant house basically and occupied it and turned it into a, a relatively nice home. I mean, he did a better job than I could of, of, yeah built of construction. I'm not a great construction worker. He had worked construction clearly and had done a good job making a livable house out of this bombed out street. Mm -hmm. And, but the city won't recognize it or turn on the utilities because it's not up to code because it has a, a, the, the bathroom is not three feet by four feet wide or whatever the codes are. And all those codes when it comes, this is where redlining all started was the Federal Housing Administration saying what a house could and couldn't be mm-hmm. because they didn't want, ultimately, they didn't want veterans to buy a substandard house. But then it mm-hmm. ended up being kind of racially weaponized. And you, again, you end up seeing the poor, this poor guy in Baltimore trying to make a decent home for himself. And it was decent, like it was a perfectly livable house, mm-hmm. you know? Um, he can't get power to it because it's not a house in the eyes of the government. You yeah. Know? I had a house, uh, the, the house I'm living in now, I didn't even, I didn't even use the VA loan because it, was, it wasn't, uh-huh. it wasn't a good deal anymore. Yeah. But um, when we were looking for our first house uh, back in 2010, there was a house that we wanted, but they sent the VA person out and they would not approve the loan because it had four stairs on the front porch with no railing, which uh-huh. was to, which was to code. Yeah, uh, in Georgia, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't approve. I'm like, so you're not gonna give me a loan for the house that because it doesn't have a railing on the front porch? Yeah, I'm like, even though in the state that I live in, that's to code. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. It is, and it ends up hurting so many people because they have these crazy regulations that all. Like the empire, like you said, the empire kind of comes home. It's got its fingers in everything. It makes everything worse for everyone. And no one sees, it's so hard to get people to see it. Yeah. You know, but it was really interesting meeting that guy. And I really am hoping that I can get more people to see like that, you know, what, what me and the fellow that I went there with the other libertarian, I went on this walk. It was a bunch of, you know, a very strange little hodgepodge of Trump vote, very largely Trumpian, some of them event, evangelical sort of, uh, walking through like the worst part of East Baltimore. Like a part, I, I've lived in and around Baltimore my whole life and I've never been anywhere near that neighborhood. And I frankly was scared to get out of my, my car at first, you know what I mean? 
Um, everything was fine, but walking around through that neighborhood with this guy, a lot of these people are living sort of that outside the government life anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people, they're already living, I think it was, it was it Maj Touré? Yeah, or, I, I, that's who I was thinking of, Maj Touré. Yeah. He said the hood is libertarian, they just don't even know it. No, you know who it was? It was Hotep Jesus with okay. that Okay. Talking. If you haven't listened to their episode, it was one of Thad Russell's best ones. I did, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that one, I think he talked about it. There's so many people that already live outside the government. They mm-hmm. just don't see it as libertarianism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Maj, is, Maj said it a while back, too. Yeah. And I was actually thinking, you know, maybe re- reaching out to Maj, maybe he's got some connects in Baltimore. Well, yeah, that, there's, a, there's a few of us that are desperate to do that here in, with the Maryland Libertarians who want to get him to come speak, but Specifically, I'd like to try to organize something in the city where we can sort of reach out because this city is just, you know, it's it, I was still, I still knock on wood that there hasn't, the, the riots didn't happen here again because 2015 was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our own little um, riot because the cops murdered a guy. Um, was it Freddie Gray? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, you know, they, they basically, they drove around, they, they left him unrestrained in the back of a van and just slammed him against every side of the vehicle. They would, you know, speed up, slow down, smack him into every wall until he broke his neck. Um, and, um, and all for running from them, and they charged him uh, with carrying a pocket knife that was too long, <laughs> what the charge was going to be, before they killed him. Um, there's, no, there's no law so small that yeah. they won't kill you over yeah and um and so we had our riot here over that and i was really i mean i was checking i was cleaning my guns just to be safe because when i saw that apartment building burning in minneapolis it looked a little bit too much like mine yeah you know what i mean and i was really concerned that something might start to get out of hand here and i don't know how it didn't because like i said when you walk through parts of the city it's i think there's just so many people that have just given up and they just and, you know, we narrowly avoided reelecting a woman who, um, who had just been um, ousted for corruption one election cycle ago. She had been stealing money from, uh, she'd been stealing gift cards from a fund, from like a charity fund. And um, she was the mayor and she almost, she almost won again. And so it's really hard to try to figure out how in this city, but generally, like, how do we get people that aren't libertarians, don't look like the standard libertarian does, who isn't maybe an autist like me, or you know what I mean? Like, how do we get people to recognize they already live it? Like, in some way, they already value these things. Yeah. Just connect the ideas to where they already are, you know, Um, and get them to care about other people the same way, you know, like it going back around to just the war thing. It's, you know, we other, we, we look at other people and what I'm afraid of too, is that it's, it's already kind of happened here. America is so split, you know, people, you know, one nice thing about walking through New York with, or New York, Baltimore with these Trump Republicans, mostly white with this guy who is a Trump Republican East Baltimorean, you know, (laughs) um, was seeing that they haven't really otherized entirely the urban democratic population of the city. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, they did want to, in their own way, reach out to these people. I mean, some of them wanted to kind of evangelize to them. And, but they, they, 
what was nice to see is they didn't, maybe to a certain extent, I mean, even for me, I'm sitting here doing it now, like I couldn't imagine living in that, on that street. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but to recognize they really, that everyone really is trying to do their best in their own life. Like every single person, there's no one who thinks they're the villain in their own story. Mm-hmm. You know, every single person is really honest to God trying, you know, to do something good with themselves, even if they, they're failing a lot. I don't think yeah. anyone is just like, screw it. I'm just going to be terrible. I, I mean, even I, I bet you even Charlie Manson in his own way, like thought that he was making the world better somehow. It people are. And so the point is that when you look at, I'm afraid to a certain extent that America has gotten to the point where both sides hate each other so much they don't view each other as human, you know? What? Yeah. And I, you look at the people that benefit from that. I mean, if they, if they could keep poor people fighting each other, they keep, you know, the whole white versus black yeah. versus everybody else versus poor versus rich, you know, um, Matt Freeman from Status Quo and I have talked about this a lot, you know, if you look at poor whites and poor blacks, we're all in the same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it, our cultures are so similar because we've grown up together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom, she married a guy from upstate New York and he was down here mm-hmm. visiting. And, you know, we were eating at this soul food restaurant mm-hmm. and, you know, soul food, country cooking. It's, just, you know, it's all the same. And, it's all, yeah. And he was like, he was just looking around. He goes, I'm really, surprised of like how many black people in here and me and my wife looked around we're like i never even noticed um and i was like yeah just no one cares down here bro i'm like yeah yeah um like i said uh, when i taught in florida uh, it was very very it was more integrated in so many ways i honestly where i work where i lived and worked in in i lived in gainesville and um and central central florida gets a little crazy yeah i mean well <laughs> i like i i i i, I kind of like i liked it there to be honest yeah uh, but but yeah they, they it was less of an issue than you ever would have thought you know what i mean yeah and and even here i coach lacrosse still and i coach up uh at a school and lacrosse is like the most stereotypical white sport and let's just say this team was not the best team like it, it's almost polo you know what i mean right but my team what do you think of, of where it came from <laughs> yeah but my my team my, when i showed my fiance she never um the team photo and there's only one white kid on the team you know what i mean like it's less of an issue than you like people aren't as i mean I, when these riot when all this stuff started with the black lives matter to me one of the first things i tried to jump onto and make clear to people is it's not it is not, it's less of a racial issue. I would say that the, I would be one to say that like, that um, there is systemic racism in the fact that the laws we talked about before, the drug sure. laws. Are it exists for sure. Explicitly racist. And just because we've forgotten that part doesn't mm-hmm. mean they still don't have that effect. Right. You know what I mean? But um, I, w- I would say that, but at the same time, I would say what people need to recognize is it's really us versus the state. It's the, the, the it. like you said, there's no crime too small that the government won't kill you for. Regardless yeah. of your color. Yeah. 
and that it, it is it is the, the problem here is the state it's not and i i think the the powers that be whether they did it on purpose with intent whether they're all, you know all seeing and all knowing and managed to coordinate this really managed to very deftly turn it into a racial issue again and divide people okay. you know i i it, i don't know just how many people are willing idiots how many people were just dupes? How many people at the ground level really believe this stuff? But it very, almost immediately when state power was threatened, they managed to divide us. Mm -hmm. Look how and, many people have gotten rich from racism on both yeah. sides. It's crazy. I mean, and you tried so hard to make sure that didn't, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, like I said, I was, I really, really wanted to go to some of the protests and show sort of and uh, somebody there was a great tweet where somebody was debating what sign to carry um to a black lives matter protest somewhere and my suggestion was um don't hurt people don't take their stuff because mm -hmm. it's it's the nap right there but it also the audience is, is he talking to is the sign directed at the police is this directed at everyone you know yeah um because it's true, the police hurt people and rob them all the time. You know what I mean? So that sign would not be provocative, but it would be thought-provoking maybe, you know? And yeah. I'll be honest, I really wanted to participate in some of the protests that were happening here, but I, I, I got I to admit, Maryland is not a carry state. Um, I am too much of a coward to risk catching a five-year sentence for carrying and i was genuinely concerned about it turning into a riot for the first few nights i wanted mm -hmm. to be a part of the protest but at the same time i was scared to be there alone um if a riot broke out and somehow it turned against me you know what i mean right um or just in general it turned dangerous and so i backed down from it and i i I regret it now. I should have been there showing that it was the state that's the problem. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, it's going to take some outrage to people. you got to reach out to people who right now think that it's ra racism is the problem and convince them it's the state. You know? That's a hard sell. It but is. I think ultimately there's enough people out there that believe that's the problem. And it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just that the state is the institution that executes it all. Well, that's the, well it's like, uh, just like um, Pete Quinones' uh, documentary, they have the monopoly on violence. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. I, I've i been trying to share that one around. I don't know that I got anyone to actually watch it, but I tried. <laughs> yeah. tried. It's kind of heady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, haven't even managed to force the fiance to watch that one. But. <laughs> um yeah the there, there's solutions out there it's just it's a lot of work i mean like and that's we the live thing in the you know self-ownership and that's yeah. what it's really about is self-ownership but with self-ownership comes personal responsibility yeah we i mean we live in the biggest state that's ever existed and we're like you know the narrow it was, nev it was never meant to be that <laughs> yeah and we're this tiny little remnant that's trying to persuade people that this this leviathan is the problem, not the solution. And I don't know, man. I, I really hope that we manage to 
stave off. I, 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 you know, I'm an anti-collapsitarian. The last thing I want in this world is for for us to to suffer for the years of to really suffer for the years of bad governance that has existed. Because yeah, you, know. you know, like you and I have both seen what it's yeah. like when it collapses. Yeah, I mean. It, it can once once you know once things kind of get froggy it's yeah. gonna you know that i we all know george washington's like flaws like we've all listened to prof cj's revolution you know if you <laughs> haven't you need to but his like revolutionary yeah. war thing where that one really opened my eyes yeah, but chris, chris calton did a lot of good uh did a good series too yeah, he had a great series. I wish he, I, I wish he, he got bogged down. I think with, uh, with uh, his graduate degree. I think, but yes, yeah, uh, I think he's gonna come back. But holy crap, the whole drug war and the leading yeah. up to like that series about what what actually led up to the Civil War. Yeah, his his series was great, but I mean, we I desperately want to avoid the collapse because and, and because it won't probably go our way. Like the even though. Washington has flaws like the one good thing you could say this is one of the only people in like history that actually gained power and renounced it like twice mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah like like the the thing that scares me about the boogaloo type movement stuff as much as like I support defending against the state if it, if it overreaches you know what I mean if it if it really crosses that line as much especially thinking of Independence Day it's a good Going into Independence Day, thinking about the fact that there were people that just they drew a line and they they pulled the trigger at some point, and God knows they don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, especially against another American. I, I don't. I, there, there I am, kind of thinking that the one life is more valuable than another. But it. But I don't want that to happen here desperately and i but one reason i don't is that even if it did happen usually the worst rises to the top especially like in general the worst rises to the top but in chaotic situations the 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 odds of a cincinnatus somebody being able to lead and organize uh an independence movement Mm -hmm. and then yielding a more free situation at the end are like near zero yeah you know what i mean i mean the foundation of all governments is chaos yeah and what we've seen is just manufactured chaos yeah you know we've seen the authoritarianism rise to the top just through this you know through the covid thing you know and that's mm-hmm. that's chaos that they've created yeah. imagine what would happen through true chaos yeah so even me as like an ancap like philosoph- like all the way down. Like I'm completely on board with um, volunteerism, mm-hmm. and anarcho-capitalism, whatever, however many acronyms, or not acronyms, but you know what I mean, uh, pro- however many pronouns you add on to it. <laughs> like um, I really do, I, I want to, I think the, it's, it might be stupid and people could j- jump all over me for this, but I really think the political way is, almost hopeless as it seems is one of the only ways to do it while avoiding chaos yeah because in the event of chaos yes i would fight for more liberty you know what i mean i really don't want to have to fight for like 
to to fight and kill for more liberty. Like that is the lowest. I I, I don't want to lose my my dog and my house and all the and live in the woods as a militiaman. You know yeah. that is the last thing on earth I want. Hundred yeah. percent agree with that. And I think I don't think people take it lightly. Um, I don't know. I don't. But I don't. And I hope it doesn't happen. You know. But uh, it's a real risk. I think at some point, if things start fall, if things start getting froggy, you know, it, it's. That's why I still think I want to try to work through the Democratic Party, even if I have to, mm-hmm. to try to just remove the military, like just just cut the military. Yeah. Just, just end the wars. At least that's something in the right direction, you know? Right. Wherever we can trim away at the state through the political means, the, the ending drug prohibition, that kind of stuff, I think has to, is our best chance of doing it without really taking a huge gamble, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because I would say it's, if, I mean, we're mo- we're slow marching towards, you know, socialism anyways but i think if something chaotic if if government collapsed or there was a chaotic event the chances of it turning into another american revolution that actually won more liberty mm-hmm. there's just so many more socialists out there than there are libertarians i'm afraid i know well, you know yeah there's so many more statists than libertarians just numerically the chances of yielding a the chances of us ending up in Bolshevism are stronger than our chances of ending up in Libertopia. Uh, you know? That's the scary part. It really is. And so it's just like, well, what do we do? Do we just have to try to fight what feels like a losing political battle? Or, you know, like, it's like I said, I think you're right that the state will keep trying to print its own money and print its way out uh, if you try to remove yourself from, you know, and there's some things like, I, one of the things I can't square with agorism is how do you dodge the problem? Like you can minimize it, but every state almost, well, some states don't, are there any places that don't have a property tax? Like how do you think so? They're they're still, they're, they're eventually they're going to come, come for your land, if nothing else. And then where do you go? You know what I mean? Unless you can get a state to get rid of a property tax, then maybe you could get away with being agorist completely and never paying a dime to the tax man. Right. But I, I, even, even your most diehard Bitcoiner, and maybe they have answers for this that I don't understand, but your most diehard Bitcoiner, if they want to stay in America and live agorism here in America away from the state, like how do they, how are they managing to avoid paying a property tax? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, like they are. Like, that sounds like a yeah. show in itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's a question for, you know, I should have emailed in. I think Rallo, Rallo and Slappy did uh, like questions about Bitcoin, but it was mm-hmm. questions about Bitcoin, not about agorism. Right. And that's a that's an outstanding question for me. Is like, okay, even if I manage to move everything out of the dollar and every exchange I made was purely voluntary, it, where would I live? Where could I live that wouldn't I wouldn't at least have to, you know, be afraid of being evicted for failure to pay tax? You know, there's a crazy story I loved uh, telling kids. This, uh, just a silly tangent. The German government a few years ago took a woman's wheelchair and her dog and auctioned them for failure to pay property taxes. Like, 
they went to her house. She wasn't paying property taxes. They, um, they, uh, they came to her house and they, they couldn't find, they were trying to find anything of value. And the only valuable things, she was wheelchair bound. The only valuable things they could find were her wheelchair and her dog that she had spent a few hundred dollars on. And they auctioned them both to try to re and then kicked her out of her house. And the only thing she had done wrong was fail to pay property taxes. Like, I mean, they didn't kill her, but that's like, evil. you imagine a person that's, e that's evil just the same because they couldn't find anything valuable, not a TV, not anything. The only thing they could find was her wheelchair and her dog to sell. Good grief. Good grief. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure there's stories just absurd here, but that one just stood out in its absurdity. Oh my you gosh. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, man, I gotta, I gotta cut yeah, out of here. Yeah, we've been going for a while now, so yeah, I'm sorry. Sitting, sitting at two hours. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sorry, I kind of just rolled all over the place. I was trying to, I tried to, you know, um, think about how we can kind of, you know, what exactly you wanted to, the subject to be, and I definitely wanted to get the word about defend the guard out there, defendtheguard.us. Um, but I, I had a great time rolling yeah. around. Like, you know, this conversation bounced around in all kinds of great ways. So I really appreciate the opportunity. And, yeah, no uh, problem. And, uh, and I appreciate your support as well. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think if more people would just talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and talk across to each other, try and find some, like, like, like you said, like we were saying, find some leftists, some good leftists who, you know, depending where you live, you know, where can we co-opt? Where can we join and make some alliances? Because right now, you know, we're not getting anywhere by ourselves. Yeah. So. I think that's something I'm going to try to start doing is trying to start pulling guests that are outside of the bubble, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, yeah, you can learn a lot too. Like I said, those, those, um, those, the vets for peace group, they're, they're hard. They're, they're completely of the left. Um, but they're also aging badly. They've got a great name and they've got great branding. I love this shirt, this reclaim <laughs> Armistice Day shirt. Nice, um, nice. Um, they um, they've got great branding and they've got a structure that they they're wary of being co-opted. I I I'm I've noticed, but they're aging. But they do have great. They've learned ways to resist war that could be effective. So mm. they're a good place to start. I think talk to yeah um, i'll definitely look into that yeah um great man i really appreciate everything yeah thank you thanks take right. her easy do you have a have a good fourth and grill some meat and drink some beer and celebrate yeah. people that watered the tree of life or tree yeah. of liberty tree of liberty yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah no i i i always do I, I i i have some favorite memes for this like treason is the reason for the season <laughs> that's a great one I'll, 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 I'll you'll see some of mine on uh, i'm on md vet four on twitter yes uh, yeah and you'll see some of my great ones out I, I i've got a whole bank of like uh of independence day and patriots day ones that i love to i'll all day tomorrow <laughs> awesome awesome man all right all right have a good one brother happy independence day Peace. you too take care